you are invited to register and participate in Orthodox Christian Conversations on Racism, a six-week study of St. Paul's Letter to the Galatians, Saturday mornings, July 18th through August 29, 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 to noon Eastern. Join us as our diverse team of six teachers of the Bible present a chapter-by-chapter reading of Galatians, looking to St. Paul for instruction in these worrisome times fraught with division, social unrest, and deep-seated racism. Our presenters come from different walks of life. They serve as members of the clergy, a police officer, a nurse practitioner, ex-military, a homeschooling mother, and a teacher. Following Father Mark Bulos's book, Torah to the Gentiles, which we will be using as a secondary source, the series will explore St. Paul's letter as a cause for hope in time of peril and a path forward for our country. Each Saturday, a 30-minute presentation will be followed by 30 minutes of discussion with registered participants. Please join us as we turn to Scripture to heal ideological divisions and overcome racism pervasive in our lives, our families, our churches, and our neighborhoods. Register today at orthodoxservantleaders.com. You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they began. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 46. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 24, verses 13 through 28. The Lord said to his disciples, He who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the desolating sacrilege spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who was on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let him who is in the field not turn back to take his mantle. And alas, for those who are with child and for those who give suck in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been shortened, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, Lo, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Lo, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Lo, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Lo, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. In verse 15, today's reading, uh, we read about the desolating sacrilege spoken of by the prophet Daniel, and that's also been commonly translated as the abomination of desolation. Father, what is Jesus referring to here, and and has this event already taken place, or is it yet to come? <laughs> yeah, let me wade into that question, which is certainly hotly debated and disputed, uh, whether or not this event has taken place or is in the future, but the start Uh, We'll go to the past to understand why the prophet Daniel is being invoked here and brought into the conversation. 
Well, that that sounds good, Father. I I didn't mean to wade into uh, something so controversial. Yeah, no, no, hey, no problem at all. It's it's not your fault. It's just a difficult passage, and we don't want to simply ignore something because it's difficult. Uh, so the the desolating sacrilege, or as it's often referred to, as you said, the abomination of desolation, refers back to the book of Daniel and the king, who historically was Antiochus the fourth. And his replacing, the king's replacing of the Jewish offerings in the temple with the pagan sacrifices. In other words, it's essentially the emperor or the king standing in the place of God, pushing aside the idea of the biblical unseen God in favor of his own rule, the king's own rule and his own idols. That's an interesting context and, and a good historical note. Can you explain how that then relates to what Jesus is saying here in this passage today? Yeah, and so this is where it gets controversial on a couple different levels. There are all kinds of uh, different theories and ideas. There's certainly the idea that uh, this event has not come to pass, because certainly uh, one way a person could read this would be that very shortly, in, in human terms, after this event happens, then the second coming of Christ will happen, and obviously it's hasn't happened for 2,000 years, so there is the idea among many religious people that this event hasn't happened. And what about those who say it has happened? Well, primarily in that group, I would say you have people who one way or another think this event has happened and that it referred very specifically to a historical event. And what was that event? It'd be referring to the destruction of what we often call the second temple, the temple that existed when Jesus was alive and in Jerusalem, and the destruction of that occurred around 70 A.D. uh, during the first Jewish-Roman War. And so you have the temple being destroyed, and again, like in the book of Daniel, you have the emperor taking over, or at least the emperor's government taking over, the whole city of Jerusalem and instituting his imperial cult and idol worship. And one of the things that people point to in this passage that lends credence to that view is that Matthew adds an editorial note to Jesus' own words. He quotes Jesus as saying, So when you see the desolating sacrilege spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, and then Matthew adds uh, this note, Let the reader understand. Okay, so that's that's very helpful, and uh, but I'm still thinking about why exactly do some people think that that means that this event's come to pass? Yeah, so the general consensus among scholars is that Matthew's gospel was written sometime in the 80s A.D., so it would have been after the destruction of the temple, and, and so that's why they say that Matthew adds, let the reader understand. In other words, he's warning them that he thinks they are in the so-called end times. Okay, Father, so I hate to put you on the spot, uh, but <laughs> where do you fall in this argument? Uh, has this event happened? Um, do you think it's in the future, and uh, what are the implications? Yeah, it's a fair question, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm really not trying to dodge it, but ultimately I don't have a solid answer. And so that, that is my answer. I don't have a solid answer, but quite frankly, I don't think it's of, of great importance. It's interesting. Why, why would you say it's not of great importance? Well, I think in modern times, uh, certainly throughout 
the 2,000 years of Christian history, this happens at, at times and places. So it's, it's not just modern times. But many people today are what I would call borderline obsessed. Or to be honest, I would just say that some of them are straight up obsessed with the end times. And it's, it's a losing battle, in my opinion. I mean, how many times, Jason, in, in our lifetime have we heard you know, rather prominent voices predict specific dates of Christ's return only for them to fall flat. It, it happens fairly regularly. Yet in the gospel, we constantly hear that this mention of the end times is not for us to be predicting or pontificating about when the end will be, but rather to keep us vigilant and to remind us that there will be an end. And even if the, the end times don't happen in our life, what will happen is that our life will end. We all began as dust, as we hear in the book of Genesis, and we all return to dust. And so for me, the importance, uh, the emphasis is living our lives with the reminder that on this earth we have an expiration date, and we don't know when that is. Unfortunately, tragic things happen. Uh, people die in car wrecks. People have heart attacks. People get cancer. There's you know, all sorts of things that can happen, but ultimately we all have an end, and we don't know when that will be. So again, I, I'm not you know, trying to sidetrack the question. Again, my answer is I really don't know, but I'm, what I am saying should be our focus is uh, that we could be uh, borderline obsessed with this issue and that the vast, uh, vast majority of the gospel and of Scripture is about how we should live our lives. That's what we should focus on, how we should implement God's will in our interactions with others. And so if we're preoccupied with times and seasons and predictions, then it just becomes a distraction. So the best thing to do is to live every day as though the end is drawing near and to let God uh, worry about when that comes for us. It's, it's enough for us to focus on our lives and how we can live out God's will, how we can present Him through our actions, and God will take care of everything else. I appreciate your perspective, Father. Thank you. Moving on to a different aspect of today's reading, Christ references the elect uh, several times in this passage. Who are the elect? Well, we might as well stay on some controversial topics, but I do know, thanks for bringing it up, because it is important, and uh, there are some today who talk uh, about a theology they call predestination, and they often reference passages like this that refer to the elect and, and speak about how certain people are chosen by God, predestined, they say, to be sent to heaven, and they essentially have no choice or volition in this matter, and likewise, some who are predestined for hell, and again, uh, according to this theology, they really have no choice or volition. They're just created by God for destruction. I guess that's just their uh, bad luck in life. And I'm assuming, Father, since I know that that's not orthodox theology, that you're saying this is not what Christ is referencing here with the elect. Yeah, absolutely correct. But let's let's talk about what is going on here. And, and of course, to do that, uh, we need to go back to the original Greek, and I, I think and hope this will be fascinating for our hearers and will give yet another example of why it's important not to read too much into English translations and you know develop entire theologies that are essentially uh, predicated on these translations. So what is the Greek word being used here that gets translated as elect, and what does it mean? So the Greek word used here is eklektos, which is a derivative of eklektos. Now to understand this word, we need to know a couple other things. First of all, the root word of eklektos is lektos. And you see this ek part at the, at the beginning. That part of the word is an addition which normally means out of. 
and I'll get back to that in a minute. But lectos means gathered, chosen, selected. You can even hear the similarity that uh, it has with the English word we've been hearing a lot lately in our society, election. So that's where we ultimately get the English word election uh, from the Greek. Now before getting back to the ek part that I mentioned, which again means out of, I want to speak about the word lektos. Lektos ultimately derives from the Greek word lego, meaning I say or I speak. And I introduce that because it's connected to the word ekklesia. Ekklesia is the Greek word from which we derive the word church. So ekklesia gets translated into English as church. And what it literally means is to be called out. It means to assemble together outside the norm, outside the way of the world. And that's what God has called us to do, to be different than the ways of the world and to rise above the limitations of our human nature and our human instincts. So again, getting back to the prefix ek, and it's used with this word lektos from today's passage, uh, you can see the connection with ekklesia, with church. Eklektos, used in today's passage and translated as elect, is fundamentally indicating that God is speaking us out of the ways of the world. And again, to recap, and hopefully to prevent any confusion that I've caused by this tangent, uh, I get to that because lektos comes from I say or I speak, and ek means out of. So this word elect means to be spoken out or to be called out, like the church, to be selected, chosen, elected by God out of the ways of the world. And then one final thing before I comment on what that means in relation to this passage, I want to show the connection between words, as I think this can be helpful and instructive. Uh, notice when you say the word eklektos in the Greek, what it sounds like in English. It sounds like eclectic, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I can definitely hear that similarity. Right, and, and it sounds like that because we actually derive the word eclectic in English from this very word eklektos. And so look up what eclectic means in English. Well, Father, you uh, you did ask me to do that before we recorded this episode, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> I happen to have that right here handy. Eclectic means selecting or choosing from various sources or made up of what is selected from different sources. Yeah, and so I bring this up to highlight something important. Note the reference in this definition of eclectic to various or different sources, and this underscores my point about the connection between eklektos, what gets translated here as elect, and ekklesia, which is translated from the Greek as church in English. Because what is the church in the New Testament? It's those who have been called out by God to live according to his way. And those people come from various and different sources, eclectic, meaning it's not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, all nations, all sorts of different sources of people who are called out to be the church. We are an eclectic bunch. So in this passage, the elect is essentially another reference for the church, and you see that what Jesus is saying is that the church is ultimately saved by God's grace. Because as we hear in this passage, if the days had not been shortened, even the church would not be saved. So ultimately, this passage is underscoring God's grace and that fundamentally we're not saved through our own works or through our own righteousness, but through God's grace and his righteousness. Thank you, Father. 
In today's episode, we discussed whether the event known commonly as the abomination of desolation has already taken place or is still yet to come. Both sides have evidence to support their argument, but Father Aaron stressed that we should not occupy ourselves with questions like this, as they are not of great importance. While many people today have become obsessed with the end times, the gospel tells us that we are not to be predicting or pontificating about when the end will be, but rather to remain vigilant and remind us that ultimately there will be an end. Becoming preoccupied with these matters only causes us to be distracted. Our concern should be in how we live our lives according to the gospel message and follow God's will. In discussing the question of who are the elect, we briefly discussed the theology known as predestination, in which it is believed that God has predestined some people for heaven and some for hell, which is in stark contrast to the teachings of the Orthodox Church. Father Aaron then provided insights into the Greek word eklektos that has been translated into English as elect. He explained that this word means to be spoken out or to be called out of the ways of the world, just as the word for church in Greek, ekklesia, means to be called out. From this we see that the elect in today's reading is another reference for the church, and ultimately the church will be saved by God's grace. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.